Welcome in our online audience. All right. This past week, uh, my mom had uh, told me that, uh, and I don't know if you guys are keeping up with the table talks. If you're not, jump on that because they, they've been good. She has a she had a special guest, Dr. Laura Sanger, on the on the podcast, and Dr. Laura had actually texted my mom saying, "Hey, by the way, I had somebody reach out to me from Australia that saw the that saw the the table talk that we had done and and was asking questions or whatever." And so, look, if people are hearing the messages, and and we don't we don't even realize the impact, you know. And so it's uh it's awesome to be able to have this means of uh, communicating the the gospel and. And knowing that it's being uh, shared, you know, and it's uh, the word of God is evergreen, you know, meaning that it's applicable today. It'll be applicable tomorrow. It was applicable last week. And so whether somebody hears this message today live or whether they hear it a year from now or five years or 10 years from now, the fact of the matter is that God's word is always on time. God's word is always applicable. And so we can rest assured that if somebody needs it. God will get it to them. Amen. But I am uh, I'm thrilled to actually be in church. I, I ask that you uh, excuse uh, me and my absence last week. So I was actually supposed to speak last week. Um, but we had a tornado hit the neighborhood. Uh, so, you know, that's an experience and not one that I recommend. So if, if you can avoid them, I would say go ahead and avoid them because there's there was nothing enjoyable about it. The worst part of it is that I wasn't even at the house when it happened. I was actually about 10 minutes away. So Brianna was the one that was home with the kids calling me, letting me know, Hey, uh, there's a tornado outside, you know? And, uh, so I, I hopped in the car. Well, I, I waited about five minutes because Brianna insisted that I stay put. And so I waited a little bit and then I hopped in the car and I drove over and sure enough, when I pulled into the neighborhood, it looked like something out of like a Hollywood movie set. It was bananas. And so we lost our fence, but uh, glory to God! Everybody was safe. The kids are the kids were safe. Uh, the the home is intact, um, and nobody in the neighborhood, you know, was injured or anything like that. Some you know cars were lost. Some people had damage on the homes, you know. But beyond that, though, we're just grateful that everybody was okay. You know, it's funny because that same week I had a buddy of mine from work who uh, he had a he had this little elect electric like. Uh, police car that like you know for like a little kid like judah size to get in and you could drive it around it has like a siren and stuff and like a little walkie-talkie thing and you know it plays like music or whatever and so it just so happened that i had put it in the closet the little like we have like this little outdoor closet outside and i put it in there because it was it had been raining and so sure enough when the tornado came you know it was fine it was tucked away in the closet and so when everything was said and done and the fence was knocked down and people's cars were lost judah was like dad i thank god that my police car is okay I was like, dude, I know, man. Yikes, man. You know, wait, we got, hey, we got a lot to be grateful for, dude. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was what was far, far more important to him, of course, you know, but, but the police car is still intact. Thank God. You know, Bri Brianna's car uh, has some scratches and bumps and stuff like that, but the, but the little police car is in good shape. So you guys can, you know, be at ease now. We're, we're all right. Oh, man. So we're starting a new series entitled Be Brave. Be Brave. And I am thrilled that I, I get to kick it off. I've been kicking off series uh, the, the past few months. And so, you know, I mean, hey, you know, it, just, it is what it is. So I, I get to I get to tee it off. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. But you got your Bibles with you? Amen. All right. Flip with me to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to get right into the word. <clears throat> I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation for anybody that is uh, looking at it on their phones, but it is going to be on the screens. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10. You there? Amen. All right. Beginning in verse number one, it says the following. This is Jesus. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these, first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and uh, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Verse number five says, These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go, rather, 
to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, clean, uh, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give, what you, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two eunuchs or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. For the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if, it's, but if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Verse 16 says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When, the, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all of the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Verse number 26 says, So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are more value. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven." Strong words, strong words from Jesus. I entitled my message for this morning, The Fine Print. The Fine Print. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, as always, for waking us up, giving us life, and allowing us to be able to come here and dive into your word, Lord. I pray that we don't waste this time, God. That we don't just sit here as spectators, but that we lean in to what you have for us this morning, God. The stakes are too high, Jesus. And so I pray that you give us a sense of urgency, Lord, to dig into your word, to hear what you have to say, apply it to our lives, and leave differently than how we walked in. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. So who had a favorite movie when you were a child? Like, do you still remember what your favorite movie was when you were a kid? Anybody at all? Yeah? You were, did you say it? What? Lion King, okay. George's favorite movie was Lion King. Very nice. I liked Lion King, but, you know, when Mufasa dies, and I'm sorry to spoil it if you haven't seen it, it's about a thousand years old, but Mufasa dies. Uh, I, I remember that, dude, so we, I actually saw Lion King with Judah recently, and uh, the, the part where Mufasa dies, I just kind of, like, glanced over and watched him, and I saw his horror, and I was like, you're going through it, buddy. We all went through this. So go ahead. Take it all in, dude. Take it all in. This moment is going to scar you for the rest of your life. Man, I, but it's all right, dude. It's all right. You got to go through it. We've all been through it. So, you know, he made it, he made it out. He's, he's good. <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a kid, there was three movies in particular that I was a really big fan of. And, and I remember them to this day. Uh, I, I absolutely love them. I loved the movie Peter Pan, the, the, the not, uh, not hook actually i know i know believe it or not i i never i'm gonna this is a hot take right now this is a very very hot take and i know that some people might give me a lot of flack but i never quite understood the hype behind hook it wasn't a bad movie it wasn't a bad movie iris but it wasn't my favorite movie 
it was a good movie. Robin Williams was awesome, but I just it didn't it didn't give me the juice. You know, I don't know why. It just it was good, but it wasn't that good for me. You know, <laughs> hear me out though. These are my favorites. So Peter Pan, the animated one, um, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was one of my favorites, and to this day is still one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's fantastic because it's now one of Judah's favorite movies. Don't judge me for having my son watch Jurassic Park. This kid has seen more people die by dinosaurs than uh, I care to admit, but it's okay though. He's he's all right. He's a normal kid. I I watched it and I turned out somewhat all right. So uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, so Peter Pan, Jurassic Park, and the last one that I absolutely loved was Space Jam. Space Jam was one of my favorite movies as a kid. I absolutely loved it. And so I had, uh, we had all three on VHS um, and I, I'm pretty sure my parents still have them because uh, they're hoarders. <clears throat> so anyways, no, I'm kidding. They're not hoarders. They just keep little things that uh, one day I'm going to take. Like those VHSs, I'm probably going to dig out of a closet and take them with me. So it's like a scavenger hunt. You go to your parents' house and you just start stealing things. But um uh, Space Jam in particular, I, I really liked. And I remember, I remember one day um, when the movie was really popular, I remember one day I came home from school and my dad told me that he had a surprise for me. And so I, I don't remember if he had me like go searching the house for it or I, I forgot what the details were, but he had hidden it in, you know, back in the day, there was like the entertainment units that were like these big, giant, gaudy looking awful things, like something out of the haunted mansion, you know, had a bunch of cabinets and stuff like that. And so like the big one where like the TV would sit or whatever, it was closed. And so he sent me there and I opened it up and the, the gift that he had for me, and I brought it with me. This is vintage. This, this was the this was the toy that he had for me. Yeah. Check this out. Ready for this? I really enjoy playing with you guys. Let's play some basketball. I really enjoy playing with you guys. Let's play some basketball. I, really yeah. I loved it. And so there, there used to be a ball that would attach to his hand here. Um, but that's been lost. So, but my parents kept the, they, they kept this guy, like, as I got older, it kind of like became a joke. And what, what we would do is, uh, we would hide this in like, in each other's rooms or whatever. And so like, you know, you'd come to your room and like, you know, you lay on, on your pillow and you feel something bumpy. And then like my mom hid the, the Michael Jordan under my pillow. And so I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. So then I would like, you know, I put it in the shower. So she goes into the shower and there's Michael Jordan, you know, so it kind of became that thing. Um, but then I, I told him, I was like, please, whatever you do, don't ever get rid of this because the day that I have a kid, I really want to give this to them. And so fortunately Judah was born. And so now Judah has my Michael Jordan. Uh, so I went into, I went into his room this morning and I, and I snagged it. And this kid was like, Judah's really protective of his toys. And so he was like, Dad, what are you doing with my Michael Jordan? And I was like, Pops, I'm going to use it for the message, and I'm going to bring it right back. He's like, okay, but, like, what are you doing with it, though? And I'm like, I'm going to use it for the message. I'm going to give it back. Don't worry. He's like, okay. But why do you have my Michael Jordan, though? You know, like, he was, like, anxious. I was like, buddy, it's not going anywhere. I'm going to give it right back to you. But so uh, this is a – I'll leave Michael right here. Uh, so he could stand here, and he could watch you guys. But, uh, yeah, so now that's, uh, that's, that's Judah's toy. I changed the batteries this morning because I pressed the button and it sounded like Michael had taken a beating. But, um, yeah, so Space Jam was one of my favorites. Uh, so this, uh, this past week, Brianna and I, we were watching the documentary The Last Dance. Who here has seen the documentary The Last Dance? Um, really, like, a phenomenal documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix um, but it's a documentary that follows the 98 Chicago Bulls in their pursuit of a sixth NBA championship. That's the, that's the premise of the, of the documentary. But beyond that, really, it's a documentary that kind of highlights Michael Jordan's career as a basketball player. Um, so, it, you know, it, it discusses his, his upbringing, the, the family dynamic that he had with his siblings. It talks about his time in college. It talks about, you know, his time as a rookie on the Bulls. And then ultimately it discusses like his ascent at becoming really what is an icon in our, in our, you know, in our country. Uh, I mean, he's a basketball legend, you know, he's arguably the best player that ever played the game. I mean, some people want to debate that. I quite honestly think that he is the, the best to have ever played 
the game. Um, but but it's it's a really fascinating watch. It could be gritty at times. The language could be a little rough because um, it's you know athletes and they're discussing you know their history or whatnot. But it's it's really really um, interesting. So I, I I definitely recommend checking it out. But one of the things that I found particularly fascinating was the person of. Michael Jordan, like who this man was. And in fact, there's a few segments, if you've seen the show, that, that you'll remember where his teammates kind of discuss what he was like as a person and what he was like as, as a teammate. And um, pretty much collectively, across the board, everybody who's asked that played with him pretty much say the same thing. And it's that Michael Jordan wasn't necessarily a nice person. Like, he wasn't a nice guy. He was a bit of a jerk, um, a bit of a tyrant. He came down really hard on his teammates. Um, he would call you out if you were not playing at the level that he expected you to play at. And so there's this actual, this one really powerful clip, and I have a, a segment of it here. Um, we could play it here in a moment. It's not, they, they kind of chopped it up a little bit because, you know, probably for like copyright purposes, but the audio that you hear in the background and some of the clips that you see was in fact in the documentary. Um, but if you listen to the audio, it's Michael Jordan speaking about this very thing, what people thought of him, what everybody kind of said about him as a player, as a, as a leader of the team. And so, uh, you, you got the volume ready for it and stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and watch it real quick. So in the in the the actual documentary, if you watch it, in that last line, it's actually him. Again, this was kind of chopped up a little bit, just you know, somebody had used it for whatever reason. But um, in that last clip, he talks about like this is how he played the game. And if you don't want to play that game, that play the way that he played it, then essentially go find someplace else to play. And he gets emotional, like discussing his mentality of the game. And it's honestly, it's, it's almost moving, you know, like it's kind of, it's, it's, it's wild to see somebody with such drive and commitment. And he had this, I mean, his mentality was to win at all costs. And if that meant that he had to come down hard, he would. But the fact of the matter is that when it came down to it, they won six championships with this man. And so it was, it's, he was a difficult person, but they became champions, champions through his leadership nonetheless, right? But what's powerful about that moment is that he says in the, in the clip, he says, winning comes at a price and leadership comes at a price. 
And if you're not willing to play the game how he played it, go somewhere else. I entitled my message today, The Fine Print, specifically because I believe that the modern church or the Western church has done a really bad job outlining the fact that this walk with Jesus comes at a price. This walk, this Christian walk comes at a price. You see, I think that if you go into the modern church, we're very much like a, like a medication commercial, right? Where, you know, it's like really like bright and, and happy and nice. And, and, you know, it shows someone dancing and it shows them laughing and it shows them going skydiving and kissing their spouse and playing with the kids and running with the dog. And then in the last second, right, like when the commercial's about to end, they mutter off some crazy warning like, you know, it may cause fatigue, it might cause a heart attack, it might cause a stroke, uh, your arm might fall off, your kids might hate you, uh, you might have diarrhea, and you just might die. But that's like at the last second, right? And then once it's done getting through that, it cuts right back to like the super happy moment, and you're back to, you know, dancing and pillow fighting and and eating with friends, and, and, it's, and it's all good, right? I, I, I think that the, the, the church has fixated itself, specifically the Western church, has fixated itself on, uh, on getting a blessing from God and, and him helping you out in your situation and finding the healing and the breakthrough and all great things and all things that he does, but we downplay the fine print, which is, hey, Yes, God does all these things, but carrying his name comes with a price. It comes with a price. In Matthew 10, Jesus sends his disciples to minister to the surrounding areas, and his pre-mission briefing, if you will, is not exactly a happy one. Like what we just read right now, that first chunk of it isn't exactly the most encouraging. Like it's not like a super, hey, you guys go get them, man. You guys are going to knock it out of the park. Like do it, man. You guys are awesome. That's not, that, that, that's not exactly how the conversation went. And while I understand that the passage that we just read was specifically directed towards the disciples, I believe that it's very much applicable to us today in our day and age. And I want to outline a few things about that passage of scripture, that, that briefing that he gives out before he sends out the disciples that I think apply to us and we can take home with us. So Jesus says in verse number 16, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I would argue that living a life honoring Jesus isn't exactly applauded in our day and age. There's not a whole lot of people rooting for you. Hey, go ahead, man. This is great. Follow Jesus. Make him the Lord and Savior of your life. Raise your kids according to his word. There's not very many people that are standing there applauding this and saying, Woohoo! Great job. Not only is it not applauded, but it's very difficult to do given the fact that the world actively works against the teachings of Jesus. It embraces a life opposed to the mandates and orders that Jesus outlined. And so Jesus raised the bar. In a way, he was like, I'm not going to compare him to Jordan because that's not, it would be a stupid comparison. But he pushed the envelope. Yeah, he challenged. He raised the bar. He said, I know you guys have been living this way. I'm saying you should aim for this right here. A prime example of that would be Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, when he says something pretty powerful. He says, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He raised the bar. He said, you guys are here, and I'm going to bring you guys up here. So this is a mandate. This is what Jesus challenges us to do. This is the aim. And what is it met with? It's met with a culture that is overly fixated on sexuality, the sexualization of anything and everything because it sells and it gets a lot of views. That's the world that we live in now. And so we come to church and we hang out here with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We accept Jesus we sing a few praise songs, and it feels great. But don't get it twisted. The moment that we walk out of these four walls, 
We're stepping into a hostile environment. Like sheep amongst wolves. You see, this, this calling, this life that Jesus has called us to comes with a price. It's not easy. It wasn't supposed to be easy. It was never meant to be easy. But I think that we like to downplay the difficult side and solely highlight the great things about our relationship with God. But it's to our detriment. Because what happens is that we're creating fickle Christians. We're, we're creating unrealistic expectations when the reality is, yes, he does bless you. Yes, he does heal you. Yes, he does provide you, but don't get it twisted. Nobody's going to be applauding you along the way. On the contrary, people are going to try to suppress this message. People are going to work against this message. And it's interesting. I was having this conversation with George and Ivelisse uh, came by the house yesterday, and we were talking about how one of the ways that I know that, that, that our faith is accurate and I know that our faith is true is because if there's any faith in this world that gets hit in the constantly and it's attacked and it's attacked and it's attacked and it's attacked, it's ours with Jesus. It's Christianity. There's something to that. Why attack this one always? Why? I mean, granted, I know that we've made our mistakes in the past, but it's constant. We're berated. Nobody is applauding this lifestyle. And I feel that, that it, 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 is, it is evidence of the fact that the powers that be know that there is truth and power behind this word of our God. Jesus, Jesus continue on, continues on in, in verse number 17. He says, uh, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will dra be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, don't be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say, uh, for what you're to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child and child will rise against his parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. That's the fine print. That's the fine print. Except that it's not really the fine print because it's smack dab in the book of Matthew right there in chapter number 10. These are the words of Jesus that we so casually skip over because nobody wants to highlight the fact that, you know what, when it comes down to it, nobody's going to like you specifically because you follow Jesus. Nobody's going to applaud you. Nobody's going to be cheering you on. This God that we serve is not a popular one. Jesus is not popular. So the fact is, whether you've experienced it or not, we're going to encounter conflict when you carry the name of Jesus. Expect it. Don't be surprised by it. The world is progressing, or in, in many ways it feels as though it's regressing to a place where it will become far more difficult to carry the name of Jesus. The objectivity, the objectivity of God's word, the black and white nature of God's word is at odds with a world that elevates self and elevates feelings and elevates subjectivity. And what I want to do and my truth above all else, that's what we highlight. That's what we put on a pedestal. That's what we have on TV. That's what we're throwing out in movies. That's what our children are watching in their cartoons. This is what the world is pushing forward. And it's at odds with what God has written in his word. We can't be blind to this. We can't be blind to this. I think it's important, yes, that we discuss the great components of our faith and the fact that God can and will come through for you. But again, the world is working against you. Please don't forget it. Don't ever think anything otherwise. This was never meant to be a walk in the park. Carrying his name is burdensome at times. But now let's bolster our faith a little bit now that we just, you know, went through that depressing segment. Jesus gives the disciples a, a fair warning, but then he tells them this in verse number 26. He says, so have no fear of them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven. That particular passage is dense. There's a lot in that particular passage, but Jesus is essentially telling his disciples to speak, proclaim the gospel. What I've told you, speak it out, share it, get it out there. Cause this is the good news. It's not a, a lot of people aren't gonna embrace it. I see, I see like, oh yeah, I'm great. This is, no, but, but, but get it out there. Speak it out without fear. Church, we are opposed in this world. Hear me out. We are opposed in this world by people of conviction. Those that oppose the word of God are entrenched in their beliefs. It's the truth. I, I, I look at and see the, the issues that are being pushed forward call them social issues, call them economic issues, whatever it is, the people that are pushing them forward have conviction that that is accurate and this is okay and this is how we progress as a society and this is how we, this is how we better each other, doing this. People of conviction. People of conviction. Now, as, as Christians, I believe that now, we're not called to cower. We're not called to be run over to be plowed through when pushed i believe that we meet conviction with conviction meet conviction with conviction if someone is going to push and tell me that they believe strongly that children should be killed in the womb for one reason or the other I'm gonna push back and have to tell you why I think that's wrong. Because if that's your conviction, okay. Well, here's my conviction. And this is why I believe what I believe. And this is the word that I stand on. If someone is going to push and tell me that a man can now suddenly become a woman and you are convicted that that is true and that is okay and this can happen and we should do this and this is how we better society. Okay, I'm going to tell you why I find that wrong. Because you meet conviction head on with conviction. Your conviction that is rooted in the word of God. Church, it's time to be brave, man. It's time to be brave. It's time to stand up. It's time to cement your feet in the word of God. Don't just put soil, put cement that come hell or high water. I'm not going to be moved. And if you're going to push, I'm going to push back. This isn't to say that we are Christians that go pursuing conflict. You don't, you don't go looking. You don't go digging for problemas. And I'm here to debate. And I want to fight anyone and everyone. That's not how this works. Listen to what it said in the word. Where, where was it that it says that in the word of God right here? It says, uh, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, hold on a minute. Don't fall, Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Listen to what it says in the word of God. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise serpents look i'm sending you out man i'm throwing you guys out into the trenches but don't be an idiot be wise don't go picking a fight but be wise when pushed push back because when you push back with your word, when you push, you don't push back with your opinions, with your thoughts or what, what you think in the moment. You don't push back in anger. You don't push back in fury. You don't push back in a way that is, that is a, a vindictive. You don't push back in a vengeful way. You push back with the word of God. If you're going to come at me with conviction, I'm going to meet you with conviction as well. It's just the name of the game. We can't be plowed and walked, walked over. <clears throat> You guys still with me? Amen. He says in verse number um, 28, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What's Jesus saying there? 
He says, what we were saying before, if there's any opinion here that counts, it's not the one of those that can do nothing but just harm your flesh. The opinion that matters here is the one that can kill body and soul. He's talking about God. If there's anyone to fear here, it's God himself. We don't fear men, the opinions of men, the ones that we are serving, the one that we are trying to please here is God. And the way that you please God is by suppressing the stupidities of mankind and the whims of mankind and the subjectivities of mankind and planting your feet deep in the objectivity, the truth that is found in his word and his word alone. God says, look, man, I'm throwing you guys out there. But don't worry about it. Because the worst that they could do, they might be able to hurt you. Sure, yes, that might happen. That could happen. But really, the one that matters here is the one that can actually hurt you and condemn you to hell. Hmm. That's God. So the one who I have to be right with before anybody else, before the people at work, before the people at school, before my friends and my family and my neighbors and my relatives and whoever else, the one that I have to stand right in front of is God and God alone. That's the only one that you need to be pleasing. Church, I think it's time to I think it's time to be brave. Because the fact of the matter is that the world is moving along and they're moving and it's moving at a high rate of speed. And nobody's going to stop for the Christian. Nobody's going to stop for the Christian. Agendas are going to be pushed. Social issues are going to be pushed. And it's going to continue and continue and continue. And nobody could care less what the Christian has to say. But I think that we need to come back to our basics and stop being soft and stop thinking that this is all, all hunky-dory and God is a God of grace. <laughs> Understand that in the word of God, listen to this. In the word of God, I, I, I didn't even have this in my, in, my, in my scriptures here, but I, you know, I, I'm going to throw it in here. You don't even have to turn with me. Matthew chapter 10, verses number 34. Listen to this. It says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will will find it. Look, this is very different than the soft, cuddly Jesus that is often preached behind the pulpit. The fact of the matter is that Jesus was the one that flipped tables in the temple because he knew what was right and he knew what was wrong. And he didn't come here to be patting people on the back. He came with a sword saying, look, my word, what I am calling you to is divisive. All right. Not everybody's going to get on board. Not everybody's going to be super excited, but I am calling you to a life that is greater. I am calling you to a life that is challenging. And to be honest with you, what an adventure to be on. The fact that we are being stretched and challenged versus riding the wave of the world, the slow decline of the world. It's like literally just going down a slippery slope and let's see where we end up versus following Jesus and saying, you know what? I might be fighting against the current, but he is with me. He he won't leave me nor forsake me. He's there when I need him. When I am short of words, he's got all the words. He is with me in the moments that I am most challenged. This is the walk. This is it. This is the life with Jesus. It's the fine print. It's the fine print, but this is what it is. This is what it is. And it's not glamorous, but it is the fact. And I think that we as a church, I know we have, you, you said it best, small church, but powerful church. I don't, like, there's no more time for la boberia and the, and the stupidities and the feel good. Like, this is what it is, man. There are people that are lost that need a word from God. There are people that are in, their, in, in sin, entrenched in their sin, that need to know that there is a Savior that has provided forgiveness and grace for them. But you know what? It, it, it does not come free. There is a price to be paid. There is a price to be paid. So I, I hate to say it this way, but it's, you're either in or you're out. Amen. You're either in or you're out. Because God's not coming back for a lukewarm church. He's coming back for people that are straight up, that are keeping it 100. It's like, it, this is what it is. And it's going to be difficult as the world continues to turn and things begin to change continuously because this is just how it goes. It's going to be 
far more difficult as, as life happens to be firm. But that's the calling. That's the calling. Amen. So, so what's the headline? The headline is, you know, a Matthew chapter 11. Jesus, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is life. That's the, that's the headline, right? But what is the fine print? The fine print is Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my namesake. So what's the, what's the headline? The headline is in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the, that's the highlight. But don't camp there. Don't just stay there because there is a fine print, Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. Amen. This walk comes at a price. The walk comes at a price. But you want to know something? My sin had a price. My dishonesty had a price. My lust had a price. My anger had a price. And that price was paid not by me. Not by me. Because years ago, before I was born and before I was committed to, to, to God, before, before, before I even committed my first sin, Jesus, in his mercy and his grace, he exchanged his life for my wrongdoing so that I can one day stand before the Father in righteousness, not because I earned anything, but because Jesus was willing to pay the price. So if proclaiming his name carries a price of disdain in the eyes of men, then so be it. Because that price pales in comparison to what he did freely for me on that cross. So you know what? I'll take the hate. I'll take the beatings. Because at the end of the day, he took a beating on that cross and he hung there for me when I didn't even know his name. He hung there knowing that there was going to be a kid in South Florida named Ricky Gallinard that was going to mess things up and needed a way to be reconciled with the Father. I'll go ahead and I'll pay that price for him. Stand with me this morning, if you will. In the, in the documentary, uh, it's, it was interesting how you hear these players say, yeah, he wasn't nice. Michael Jordan wasn't a nice guy. He was a, he was a jerk, and he would call you out, and he would almost belittle you at times because he demanded excellence. He demanded you to step up your game. And granted, I understand that you know, maybe that's not the way to go about doing things, but that was, that was his way. He... he, he demanded that you be at the same level as him because i mean if you're gonna play you might as well play to become a champion right and so they'll talk about how yeah he wasn't a nice guy and he was a and he wasn't a jerk or that he was a jerk and he was mean and he was ruthless and he was like a dictator but almost all the players are like but at the end of the day he made me the best basketball player and he made me a champion which is like yeah. Isn't that why you entered the league in the first place to become a champion? So if it meant that you had to pay a price of being led by somebody that was difficult, but it made you a champion, I guarantee that they wouldn't have traded that for anything. To have that championship ring, to be able to hold up the trophy, to be able to say, look, I was part of the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls that won the championship. Man, they would take the beatings every day of the week. They would take Lola de Aso, the things that he said every single day of the week, because everybody and their mother knows that 1998, the champions were the Bulls. There's no denying. And so I say to you this morning, yeah, it's, it's tough following Jesus. It's tough. It's a challenge. It is difficult. But would I trade it, knowing that I have purpose in my life, knowing that I have a savior, knowing that, that I can come before the, 
the Father, knowing that, that I have been reconciled to God, knowing that I have hope, and that when all of this ends here on earth, it doesn't just end. I get to spend eternity with him. I know that my sin does not hang over my head anymore. I know that I have grace and forgiveness on my life. I know that I have a protector. I have a provider. I have a healer. I have somebody that is more faithful than a friend, more faithful than a family member, more faithful than a father, more faithful than a mother. I have a God, the God who created me, who spoke me into existence. He is my God. I could call upon him. He hears me. He speaks to me. And quite honestly, if that means that I have to be berated by the world. And you know what? That's a pretty small price to pay to be able to say that God is my God and he hears me when I call him. That's a small price to pay, but it is a price that oftentimes we don't make everybody aware of. And so I think that it is my obligation as somebody who is trying to get this into my head, like, oh yeah, this isn't supposed to be easy. Raising your kids in a godly fashion is not supposed to be easy. It, never it was never meant to be easy. I stand here and I say, fortunately, we're in this together. Hence the reason that we are called to congregate so that we can come here and say, you know what? Hey, following God is tough, but at least we get to do it together. And at the end of the day, I know that, like he says in Matthew 28, he will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm not doing this thing alone. He doesn't just send me out there on, 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 but as an island just to, just to float in the middle of the waters. No, he's there with me. So when I call him, when the pressure is hard, I can be brave and I can rest assured that my God is, is for me. And this life is an exciting one because there's something to push, to pushing back, to, to pushing against the current, to not just going along with the whims, but standing for something, having conviction, and not conviction that is fed to you by the media and by what everybody and their mother is telling you, but rather conviction that comes from the word of God that has been the same yesterday, it's the same today, and it will be the same forevermore. There is something to standing up and saying like, look, y'all can do what you want, but I'm going to stand on this. Don't come pushing at me because I'll push right back with what I know to be the truth. And that is God's word. Be brave, church. Be brave. Don't be soft. Buck up. Pull yourselves up by the bootstraps. You have a God that is on your side. And this walk is a challenge. But he's not made us to be feeble and weak. And no, he's called us to be, to be strong in him. Be brave. Be brave. Let's bow our heads this morning. Oh, God, we thank you that you've entrusted us with a heavy calling. <laughs> it says something, Lord, that you are willing to send us out as sheep amongst wolves. I can't help but think that you are a father that understands that his children have the strength in you to do it, Lord. And, I, and, and so I say to you, God, you don't do this maliciously rather you do it knowing that you are right behind us you go before us you stand behind us god we're called to be brave and it's really hard at times lord but it's far easier when we know that you are with us it's far easier when we know that you are with us i'm not going to do a calling as I normally do. Rather, I'm just going to pray that you help us all be brave, Lord. Because I believe that we as Christians sometimes kind of need a kick in the pants to straighten us up and say, you know what? I, I'm either in it or I'm not. I'm either following Jesus or I'm not. You, you know, I, He's either the, the Lord and Savior of my life and I have him first and foremost, or I don't. And so with every eye closed and with every head bowed, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But if that's you and you know that you've been teetering, you've been riding the fence a little bit, I urge you, I implore you to make a call. Make a decision. May, I mean, choose. What, what's it going to be? 
are you in or you out? You're following him or you're not following him. But I say to you, if you say, you know what? I'm choosing to follow him. And I say, buckle up for the ride of your life. But it's a ride you're not going to do alone. And it's a, it's a ride with ups and downs, with blessings, with challenges, but it's a fulfilling walk. It's a fulfilling life. Father God, I, I pray for everyone who is here this morning. And um, I ask you, Lord, that you teach us to be brave, Lord. To not look at this world in fear and uncertainty, but rather stand in faith. Knowing that you've, you've called us to this. And you've equipped us, Lord. And even in the moments that we don't feel as though we have the words to push back, Lord, you... You give them to us. You provide them to us, Father. Father God, I pray for every person that is here this morning and those that are watching online who feel as they've been more fearful than, than brave. I pray that you bolster their faith, Lord. That you remind them that we are strong in you, Lord. We may feel weak, but we are strong in you, God. And as so long as we abide in you, there is no weapon is formed against us that will pop and prosper. Teach us to be brave, Lord. To be brave in a world that is fearless, it seems like, when it comes to opposing you, Lord. I pray that we match that same energy, Lord, with bravery and the truth that is only found in your word. Now, with every eye closed and with every head bowed, we're going to pray for those that want to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior for the first time in their lives or maybe they want to you know rededicate their lives they've kind of fallen off maybe we're riding the riding the fence a little bit here well this is your moment to make a call if you feel that urging inside of your spirit like man i i got i gotta straighten up i gotta i, I gotta get back on track i know that i've been off i know that i've been I, i've been you know living aimlessly in my life and i know that i am i am to answer this call if you feel that little tugging in your heart that is the holy spirit saying hey i'm here just come just come as you are, broken, uncertain, with questions, not sure, you don't really quite know, you don't have all the answers. Jesus says, come, come. And so I say to you this morning with every eye closed and with every head bowed, if you want to dedicate your life to the Lord, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, let's pray this together as a collective body. Father God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for paying that price for us. And today, we choose to follow you. We understand that it comes at a price. We understand that it's difficult and challenging. But we also know that like your word says, you'll never leave us, You'll never forsake us. And for that, we thank you. We follow you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Father God, I pray for everybody that's here this morning. I pray that you bless them, Lord. Bless their, their marriages, their finances, their homes, their businesses, their jobs, their children. Their, I, I, I pray, Father God, that, that we stick our feet in concrete in your word, Lord. I mean, we cement our feet into your word, Father, that we are not shaken, we are not moved, but rather we are excited at the fact that we get to follow you, Lord. Come hell or high water, challenges, no challenges, ups and downs, highs and lows, Father, Father God, you are with us and we are eager and excited to call you our God and follow you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We choose to be brave this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Would you love on somebody this morning.